Hey, everybody. It's is, uh, Chris McLean. This is Hater Radio. I'm here with my co-host, Ian Gibson. Ian, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Okay, so we, we're having some uh, Wi-Fi uh, struggles. So uh, if if it if it goes in and out, you know, we'll try our best here. But uh, so we're going to talk about the week 10, um, what happened in college football. Um, you know, the, the primary teams we focus on with Hater Radio is Florida Gators, USC, UCLA, and USF. And I think this is the first time since we've been doing the show that all four teams lost. So yep. <laughs> it's going to be a struggle. And then uh, to add on top of that, um, the Bucks lost in uh, impressive fashion today at the last second. So it's been a terrible weekend of football for the teams that I cover and teams that I like. So uh, bear with us here. We are very depressed as we do this. Okay. Thank so, God for the lightning. At least they won. Yeah, at least. Uh, well, they barely won that one. They survived that one yesterday. But um, okay. So I wanted to start off with USC. And um, I didn't mention to you before the show, Ian, but um, I'm going to spring it on you now. Uh, to start off with, we have to talk about this. Alex Grinch, the defensive yep. coordinator for USC, was fired. So. A lot of USC fans have been calling about this for several weeks. You know, it probably should have been done in the offseason. Um, there was no reason for him to, to have been retained. Um, the defense struggled last year. He was not very good with Oklahoma. So it was, it was just basically at this point, it was Lincoln Riley's friend that he was retaining and bringing with him and then keeping him on and it ruined any chance that Caleb Williams had at uh, playing in the college football playoff, um, winning a championship of any kind, except for, you know, a, a spot in the PAC 12 championship game last year. But it's a shame because if they had any semblance of defense this year, they could have been walking through all these opponents because their offense is by far top five in the country and you know it's just a shame because you know it's a it's a waste of an opportunity and I you know I respect Lincoln Riley as a a play caller and as one of the best offensive minds in all of college football but to have you know kept this guy on as long as he did was a, a massive mistake and you know it really derailed their season and you know, now I don't even know if Caleb Williams is going to play the rest of the year. I mean, at this point, I probably wouldn't if I were Caleb because now there's no chance at anything. And uh, it's just it's a shame. But, um, Ian, what are your opinions of this game? And then actually give me your opinions on uh, what happened with firing uh, Alex Grinch. And then we'll, we'll talk about the game. This is one of those too little too late. Alex Grinch should have been fired well before this. USC, you look at the amount of points in the defense. USC, with the exception of Colorado, has the worst statistical defense in the Pac-12 and the most elite yeah. offense. And I remember I saw a joke. It said, you want an unstoppable force versus immovable object? Have Iowa's offense against USC's defense and see <laughs> what you know breaks first. Yeah. But it's it, seriously, they, like for a team this good, yeah. that's the thing. USC is too good to be giving up 40 points per game. I, yeah. I forget the point per average, but I mean, 
I know going back, they gave up 40 to Colorado. They gave up 40 to Arizona, 40 yeah. to Notre Dame, and they gave up over 30. I don't think with the exception of like, I think Nevada and like Stanford, maybe yeah. they held the team under like 20 points. Oh, um, terrible. It, like that, that absolutely cannot happen, especially when your offense is this good. And that puts more stress on the offense. We've seen us as Gator fans saw it firsthand with Todd Grantham and the Gators uh, defense where the offense had to just keep, you know, coming out and doing every, it was literally throwing the kitchen sink. And that is exactly what's happening at SC is that they, the offense really, the game plan is just try to eat up as much clock as possible. So you don't give the other team as much time, which is not the formula for a winning team. I said, this, this is one thing I said, I told this um, to my cousin, USC has a playoff caliber offense, but a group of five defense and you need a playoff caliber team to win championships. Simply. I hate to say it, SC is not a championship-quality team because they do not have a championship-quality defense. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be, like, top 10. It helps. But, like, not, like, the average, you know, your team should give up 17 points because especially with that good of an offense, you can, you know, if you if say, like, you tell your defense, look, if you give up at most 24 points, worst-case scenario, maybe give or take a bit more, we can live with that. Yeah. It, there's no reason, especially this game. I'll talk a little bit about this game. It's again, I remember saying this about Florida. There is no reason you should be scoring 42 points and losing by two scores. Yeah. It's that's insane. SC really, I mean, this was a shootout, fantastic, you know, offensive game. But I mean, this is inexcusable for USC. They, you know, literally all they had to do two, three stops, maybe. And you win, and they couldn't do it. Well, I mean, you know, in this game though, like Johnson was just running wild on him the whole game. I mean, he had over 256 yards and uh, four TDs. I mean, they just he he was just making huge play after huge play. And you know, I I will say there is talent on this USC defense. It just seems like it's more of a schematic thing than anything. It seems like the way that they're scheming them up, they're not in position. And I don't think it's necessarily on the players. I think it's the coach, which obviously he got fired. So Lincoln Riley probably feels the same way. And so they've been out of position all year long. Um, I know at times they have made plays to keep them in games and to, uh, you know, the Arizona game, to stop a two-point conversion to win that game uh, against Cal, stop a two-point conversion to win that game. But that's, you know, I mean, think about it all year, what they've had to do to barely win some of these games. And yet they still, even against the toughest opponents, are, were right there in almost every game. So I don't know. It, it, it has to be frustrating as a USC fan. I mean, just as someone that's been watching these games, it's it's tough to watch and tough to like stomach some of the stuff that has been going on because clearly USC is very talented and just you know to see it wasted like this is yeah I mean it's just it's 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 tough it's like I can't believe that you could go you know into the season and think oh yeah I'm gonna ride with Alex Grinch again 
I don't know how he thought that. I really, it's bizarre. I mean, I will say I'll counter with all this because I'm going to kind of put this back on the back burner a little bit. But um, with Washington, now this team definitely seems like a team that deserves to be in the playoff. And I would hope that, you know, come time when they play in the Pac-12 championship, if they get there, which I think they will, I think they're pretty close to securing a bid. Um, if that they get to uh, that Pac-12 championship game and win it, if they get locked out of the playoff, man, that'll be such a huge crime considering how good Michael Penix is. Yeah, I mean, you had that moment in that game where he he's scrambling on the left-hand side, is going over the sideline and just throws a dart and finds his uh, tight end and he picks it up for a touchdown. And I'm like, and I, I said it this morning when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, this is, I was like, you know, you want your Heisman moment. This is the Heisman moment right here. And it was, it was a huge moment because it like kept them in the game, kept pace with USC. And then, you know, obviously Johnson was the big difference in the game, but Michael Penix Jr. did a ton to help them in this game as well. So it's an equal force. The offense is an amazing uh, uh, machine. Uh, Odunze is a stud out there, just putting up tons of tons of yardage every game. Um, I don't know. I mean, I want to see this Washington team in the playoff. Just, I mean, at least the the winner of the Washington Oregon game should yeah. be in the playoff. Like right as of right now, if they both win out and they get to that championship game, I want to see. Either one of those teams that have to be in because of the fact of how good they played each other in that first go round. It's probably going to be very similar in the second go round. And if that's the case, like we got to have the winner of that game into the playoff, regardless if Oregon has one loss or not. I just don't feel that we would be doing this season justice by allowing a team like, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's not going to be that many undefeated teams when we get down to it, but still it's, it just seems like there might be a chance that a PAC 12 team is not going to get in. And that's just going to be such a travesty, but your last thoughts on this before we move on to an even more depressing outcome. Yeah. Regardless. I mean, Washington is still not to take anything away from Washington because with Michael Penix and the running back core they had, that team really showed how they can light up the scoreboard. Um, and they're dangerous. They can, you know, find a way to win these games just based on how effective the offense is. And again, though, we stress this, they have to keep the momentum going. They've had a couple close calls uh, in previous weeks against worse teams that they are better and have just been playing down to competition. You have yeah. to play up to every game you play. It can't just be USC, Oregon. You have to shell out every game. And especially oh, yeah. as good as the offense was defensively, you still gave up 42 points. That's not, you know, as much as we ragged on USC's defense, Washington still, that's not a winning formula if you're consistently giving up 30, 40 points. So again, ask SC how well that turned out. Well, look at look at Washington's final three games. At home against Utah, which would be a super tough game. Mm -hmm. uh, on the road in Corvallis against Oregon State. And then the Apple Cup Apple against Cup. Washington State. So that is... I mean, that is a tough road. And and if they do survive that, if they get out of there undefeated, they got to be considered for this playoff spot. And then it'll obviously be contingent on the, the conference championship game. But uh, let's move on 
Let's do uh let's do it. I I was gonna save it for the UCLA game, but I want to talk about it. Uh Florida, Arkansas, just a nightmare of a game. Um I watched the first like a uh, handful of plays before I uh, went to Disneyland yesterday and I recorded the game and I was trying not to pay attention to any of it. But as I watched those first couple of plays, Arkansas, Arkansas scores really quick. And then Ricky Pearsall fumbles it and they return it for a touchdown in the span of like six plays, Arkansas went up 14, nothing. And I'm just like, Oh my Lord, please. But then I checked it later and I'm like, Oh, it's 14, 14. I'm like, okay. And then I didn't look at all until my friend uh, texted me a puking emoji and I was like, Oh great. And so I knew they lost. Um, but um, I rewatched the game last night and I even watched the highlight clip again today. Um, you know, it's, I'm just going to say this and I know Ian, you've said you, I know you're what you're going to say. I'm just going to say this about the Billy Napier stuff. Like, look, you know what? And I told this to Ian before we started the show. Uh, as of right now, LSU is six and three. Florida is five and four. The difference between those two right now is LSU beat Arkansas and uh, Florida uh, lost Arkansas. LSU barely beat Arkansas with Arkansas having a chance to win it at the end. Uh, Florida had a, a field goal attempt in the range of their kicker and he barely missed. So it is a very thin margin. And I even know the, you know, the Gator nation football podcast talked about it, that this is it. This was a coin flip game. And it was, it was very 50, 50, who was going to win this game. You know, it does suck. It's a three and six opponent uh, has a victory on Florida and it doesn't look great at the same time. You know, KJ Jefferson was seen as one of the better quarterbacks coming into this conference uh, to start the year. Uh, he hasn't lived up to it be largely because the offense has struggled, which they fired their offensive coordinator. They had two weeks in between that firing to work on the offense, which largely wasn't that great in this game. You know, if you think about it, if you take away that early uh, return for a touchdown, that fumble return, um, I think they had like, 26 points total on offense, which is not bad for the, the Florida defense to only give up 26 points in regulation. Um, I will say that they lost contain a lot of times against KJ Jefferson, which allowed him to get loose. And he made a lot of huge plays on that, especially that last touchdown that he scored. Um, you know, the defense Got more sacks. Princely was there, was was in uh, the backfield a lot. Uh, Jordan Castell got an interception, which was a great play. Um, they they forced two fumbles, recovered one. So they finally were getting turnovers, which they hadn't done all year. They were getting sacks. They were getting pressure. They just couldn't make enough plays to win it. It is not the end of the world, folks. I'm not going to put uh, a gun to my head because. Uh, Florida is losing these games when um, they're, uh, you know, it's just not there yet. I feel like next year is going to be the payoff year, which if you are, uh, you know, a fan of this podcast, you know that coming into it, 
is a 12-team playoff. So Florida only has to go like 9-3 and three next year, and they get in the playoffs. So you know what? It's not that big of a deal if they're not winning great this year. It just is what it is. I, I mean, I was already uh, oh, like uh, fine with it at the beginning of the year. I knew that it was going to be a struggle. I knew they would probably lose to Kentucky. I knew they might lose to Utah. You know, they barely beat South Carolina. That was a coin flip game. You know, they 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 got spanked by Georgia. You know, I don't know. It's just at this point, it's not really – I don't know. I, and I'm not going to say people shouldn't complain. They, they have the right to. It's, a, it's free speech and it's a free country, so they can say whatever they want. I just think at this point to get so, like, down on this and depressed, and that's why I've – try to stay off social media as much as I can because so many people are just so upset about this. And it's just like, I don't know. It just, it, I don't want to ruin my day because people are miserable as hell about stuff. And you know what? I'm not going to be miserable about this. I'm going to let this, you know what? This is what it is this year. Next year is going to be a much better year. You know, DJ Lagway is coming in as of right now, the number three class is coming in. And a lot of those guys that are coming in realize the situation and they're not, it doesn't seem like any of them are flipping. So if they continue to stay, this clash will be fine. The recruiting will replenish and there'll be a lot more of Billy Napier's guys that are way more talented than the guys that stayed, uh, you know, from Dan Mullen's tenure, which have left this cabinet basically empty. And you know what? The offensive line is a huge mess. You saw that in the middle part of the game where Arkansas tried or, uh, where Florida tried to move the ball and they basically couldn't because they were in the backfield the entire time. And it's like, you know what? I, I If you don't have offensive linemen that can block, especially the tackles right now, it's going to be a huge struggle to try to pass the ball, which they tried to do, and they weren't able to have any success in the middle part of the game, which probably is the reason why Arkansas was still in the game for most of it because Florida couldn't put drives together there. I don't know. I'm off my my high horse now. I'm going to let you talk, Ian. I just had to get that off my chest. So probably on the other end for me, um, it's going to come down to this. This – I Billy Napier's got half a season next year because I'm sorry, Florida's not winning their next three. Missouri's better. LSU's better. Florida State's better. They're probably going to lose them, and they're going to miss a bowl game. I did say in the beginning of the year, five wins, so I, I don't like – being right especially about this shit but crap but you know it it is what it is i totally agree you know talent's not there and all that but there's no excuse for this one arkansas has the worst offense in the sec and the defense is supposed to be taking leaps and bounds which we've seen them do so i don't know what the excuse was for like why they played in the most critical moments they decided to just stop and it was it was so frustrating this game because it was like they can't have the best of both worlds. Either one drive, you know, they went down 14-0. That sucks. For the first drive Arkansas had ran right down the field, and that was bad. It clearly looked like Florida was snapping. And the fumble, I'm, there's not look, you cannot you can't do anything about that. Arkansas just had a great play. So you're down 14-0. I liked how Florida responded. They shut down Arkansas, scored two straight touchdowns. And then after that, the defense started to step up in the first half, but then the offense went limp and couldn't get any traction going. I think in the second quarter, they got like maybe 20 yards of total offense, 
It was yeah, some. It was something like that. And yeah. that goes for me. Offensively, that went down to play calling. Again, we have always said the offense is as good as the run game is. And with ETN not in as much, and as good as Johnson is, he's not that explosive runner that ETN yeah. is, which you need yeah. in those moments. And 100%. then every – oh, my God. Every freaking swing pass, bubble screen that maybe nets them two yards. Yeah. You, with Mertz, he, what, what you got to do in those types of situations, you got to find crossing routes, slant routes, move the ball down the field, throw it you know, forward. They're, swing passes are great, but when it's used over and over and over again, it yeah, becomes they're ready for it. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened with Arkansas. So, and then, you know, they score, take the lead, you know, all that. This, this was like my candle being lit. Florida throws, you know, we get that big run and it's inside the 30. So maybe about like a 39 yard field goal attempt. And I'm like, okay, spike it. This goes beyond just players and talent. They decided to sub in a new set of linemen in the middle of the play. And even Graham Mertz is going, what are you guys doing? No, it was, it was, they were subbing in the field goal team because they thought they didn't have enough time, which is like remarkable that anyone would tell them to go out there. They wouldn't have had enough time. It was like not enough time. So it's like, don't send them out. I don't know who had the call on that. It was probably the special teams coach. Which again, yeah. special teams coach, this guy has failed in immense ways. And um, I will say they almost blocked a punt, which was remarkable because I'm like, finally something. And um, they were playing field goal safe on a lot of these field goal attempts for Arkansas, which I'm like, okay, I I, I, I think that's fine. But like, you know, and, I, you know, and with a game like, against a team like Arkansas, you have to be wary of like the fakes, which, you know, I understand there, but still it's just, Oh, it's frustrating. Cause it was literally like, man, if just, if Trey smack just kicks that freaking field goal. It's not only that. So it's, but that's the thing is like, okay, for whatever reason, that for me, that's on coaching. It's like, how do you let, you know, how do you let that happen? You clearly had enough time to where, even if you didn't have time, there's no way you're like, if you are smart, say yes. Get Trace Mac out there as fast as possible. Three, two, one, kick it. No, yeah, you just no, you there's no way. Like with yeah. with the ten seconds for them running out there, by the time they would get out there, it would be like three seconds, and then like for the to the ball actually get snapped would take like another five seconds. So it's like it's not even physically possible. Like the yeah. the, the like logistics of it all is not. There's no way. So whoever, I don't know, whoever, I, you know, it could have been that they called for, hey, be ready. We're going to run a play where we're going to be in the middle of the field. So get ready to run out there in case we don't have enough time to do uh, uh, a spike. But what, I, what doesn't make any sense is like, if that's the case, the only really scenario that you have is to spike the ball because yeah. if there's not enough time to run a spike, then you can't run a field goal anyways. So you would have to run a spike or run a play or do something. I just not don't do a run, sub. I don't know. I don't know who made that call, but it was like, clearly like you needed to spike the ball. I would have rather lost the game trying to spike it than trying to kick the field goal. So that was the part for me. That is where my candle fuse was lit. 
Yeah. That's inexcusable. That's another inexcusable thing that has happened this season that is on coaching, not on yeah. talent, not on players. That is on coaching. Because instead right. of a 39-yard field goal, which Trace Mack missed the 44-yard and he had the distance, but it's a lot easier when you're five yards shorter. And then yeah. you go into overtime, and then Arkansas just, you know, wins it. And I knew as soon as they went into overtime, I'm like, if they don't score a touchdown, Arkansas is going to win it. And that's exactly what happened. They yeah. – I don't know. This is up there with as bad as the Vanderbilt because this is the thing that's frustrating. You shouldn't, yeah, I guess. This Arkansas, this, oh, and I just want to say this real quick. This Arkansas team is way more talented than even remotely to that Vanderbilt team. That, you know, like that's that's a complete. Yeah, I agree with that. It's just, and I will say, like, I, I, I think I get what you're saying as far as like the, like, um, the, like, level of loss and i get what you're saying that that makes sense but just as far as the two talent between the teams there is a difference there that's all i just want to say i i just don't know how you can go like for me two seasons and it's like this is it florida was for me i'm i'm sorry florida was outplayed arkansas they were the better team but again they lost and that that, for me that's on like that's not a talent look the other losses this year, Utah, better team. Kentucky, better team. Better team. Better team. And Georgia, clearly yeah. the better team. Yeah. This I can't I can't make an excuse for this one. No. We were really the better can't. team and we lost because we got in our own way. And I that's the thing with year two. I, look, going into it, I'm like, yeah, we're probably gonna lose this, this, this. When I predicted those losses, it was because I knew those teams were better. This yeah. there's no excuse. Florida has the better talent. So that goes on coaching, losing that game. And I was, and again, I'm going to say, look, Florida has Billy Napier. He's got half a season for me to prove me wrong why they shouldn't fire him. And next season, because before the Georgia game, they got to play likely – they got to play UCF, Miami. Then they got to play LSU, Tennessee, Texas before Georgia. I don't know. Yeah, I don't again, know. again, what I'm uh, – what I think a lot of people fail to forget is next year the playoff goes to 12 teams. So even if they have three losses in that mix, which is definitely possible that they could lose three losses or could have three losses to a bunch of these good teams they're playing next year, but that still leaves the door open for them getting into the playoff. So it's like as much as people are like so down and like, oh, the schedule is so hard next year. The team is going to be immensely better next year. I feel like uh, the some of the like uh, offensive line recruiting that has been there, that's somewhat there. Then those guys need to step up. And there's like some guys that are going to get healthy, um, you know. So there should be a difference there. Um, again, there is as of right now, it's either going to be Mertz or Lagway which Mertz obviously is tearing it up and Mertz is not the problem with what's wrong with our offense. Clearly Um, Lagway, you know, will maybe able to fix some of those problems because he's so mobile. So to have a, a choice between Mertz and Lagway, I'm very happy with, I don't know if Mertz is going to stay. He may, I mean, he's as of right now, it seems like he's doing good enough to get like a late round pick maybe like a sixth or seventh round pick. Maybe if he stays next year, he could get up to like second or third round pick if he stays. Only other thing I'm going to say that can help me feel better about going into next season, 
if Napier actually hires an offensive coordinator and stops calling plays, yeah. I would be happier. Because I'm, I'm, I mean, for me, he just can't do it in the SEC. He, he just yeah. can't do it, which is fine. You, you just need to put an offensive coordinator in that has that same mindset as you do, but he's the one that can draw the X's and O's. If you want to be the facilitator and the CEO, you got to let somebody do that of, you know, your program. I, I, that's going to make me, you fire your special teams coach, you hire a good offensive coordinator. That would make me feel go, better going into next season with the number three, praying to God it stays that way, recruiting class going in. Well, I think, you know, as people are critical about Billy for a lot of things, I think the one thing that uh, he's done remarkably well is has proven that if things need to get changed, he has been um, uh, at the forefront of trying to change things. You know, he, you know, got rid of uh, Patrick Tony last year. I mean, it was a mutual agreement. So he left. And then he got uh, Armstrong, and Armstrong's done quite well. The guys are young, so the defense is still there. Um, you know, obviously, we've talked about it, offensive coordinator. I think that's going to be uh, something that occurs. And I, what I would like to see is him still be a part of the run game coordinating. And then uh, as far as passing game, like specifically having like a situation where it's like a Joe Brady type come in and be the passing game coordinator and then like Billy be like the run game coordinator. And that's dude, that's fine with me. I mean, I essentially you do want someone else there in the mix with the offensive coordinator and stuff. And I think, you know, Billy wants to keep calling plays cause he likes doing it. But again, if he wants to keep his job, he's going to have to make changes that uh, are, you know, not something that he wants to do, which I think he likely is to do. He's played a lot of freshmen and younger guys that have been um, out there that, you know, Dan Mullen didn't do when Dan Mullen was there. So he's done a lot of things that have been difficult and he's made those choices and he's done it. So I, I will assume at this point he is likely to do that as well. Do you have anything else to say? Because we got to move on. We've been yeah, that, that's for like half an hour. Yeah, that, I'm 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 off my I'm off that horse now. I got I'm <laughs> <All preventing. right. laughs> Let's do let's do UCLA, Ooh. um, UCLA uh, Arizona. So again, I've been trying to tell you guys these Arizona teams are very uh, prickly. You know they're they they you know this Arizona team specifically has been you know. Very strong as of late. Uh, Fafita, I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. Yeah, Fafita. He, man, he's – dude, the kid is accurate. And considering how good UCLA's defense was coming into this game, you know, it was quite remarkable how well he played. And he pretty much tore up uh, UCLA and had a phenomenal game. 300 yards on the dot, uh, three TDs. He did have a pick. Um, Garbers for UCLA looked, I don't know. Just, yeah. yeah, he looked rough. Dante Moore ended up coming in when it was still like a two-score game, but he really couldn't do anything there. Uh, Schley came in as well, had a few good runs, but like Carson Seal didn't have a good game. They really, they really had no success the entire game, and it was a struggle. Um, the percentage to win the game 
like the entire time was basically in Arizona's favor, like first quarter on. So like Arizona just basically controlled this game. They were up 14, nothing at one point. And then, um, you know, uh, after that, you know, UCLA was only able to score a touchdown and a field goal. So uh, Arizona gets this win and now Arizona is six and three. And so is UCLA. So it's, a surprising team that, you know, most people didn't have competing in this Pac-12 uh, race that they were going to have Arizona. But Arizona now is a team that is, you know, they they were pesky against USC, barely lost that game. Um, they, they fought well against uh, Washington and now upset uh, UCLA here. So this is a huge win for them. And UCLA, it sucks. This is terrible. Um, but again, this team going forward, I like the makeup of this team and the future of this UCLA team, especially with Dante Moore. Uh, you know, hopefully the rest of the year, maybe they'll play him the rest of the year, see if he can finish off the year. And then we'll see what he can do uh, the next two or three years. But what are your thoughts on this one, Ian? Yeah, I just want to say uh, as much as it sucks for UCLA, if there's a contest for best like three loss team in the country, yeah, it's going to be Arizona. It's got to oh, be yeah. Arizona because oh, okay, yeah. they've beaten three ranked teams in a row. I don't know if any yeah. team has done that at all this year. Yeah, they beat Washington State, blew out Washington State. Yeah, you know, beat Oregon State, and then you know, shut down UCLA. And then before that, their losses were against Washington and USC. And Washington, they only lost by a touchdown, thirty-one twenty-four. And then they only, I think, lost by two. Against SC, and then like early yeah, in the year, two point they, they conversion, got... two point conversion in overtime. Yeah, and then you it. know they lost to Mississippi State. So this Arizona team, man, I mean, talk about you know the bear trap that everybody's been falling into. I mean, <laughs> it was very. I mean, I'm honestly stunned and impressed how well they have done this year, and you know the moxie on this team is amazing. For I know, look. It sucks for UCLA, but I mean, if you're going to lose to a three-loss conference team, it might as well be this one because they're just yeah. eviscerating everybody. They are the trap of trap teams, um, yeah. and they've got a lot to prove now. I am very impressed with Arizona, especially with uh, Fafita and the defense as well, um, yeah. just being able to rise to the occasion and stay in the moment. For UCLA, I think, again, they might have fallen into that trap. All the other teams, did. They just they, it looked like they fell asleep at the wheel with this game. And by the time it was like too late, because I think going in, you know, it was only like, yeah, Arizona was up like 14, nothing. Um, yeah. But well into the second quarter. And then like by the third quarter, you still like couldn't go back in the end zone. So just, yeah. um, um, you know, good clock management as well from Arizona. I think they have like 30 plus minutes of time of possession. Um, but all in all, you know, cats off to Arizona. And I mean, for UCLA, that is definitely not how you wanted to lose, um, especially, you know, kind of killing any hopes you had it, maybe the, you know, championship or even maybe a New Year's Six. But, I mean, if it was going to be to any other team, it might as well have been that one. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we're going to move on from that. Sorry about your luck, UCLA fans. I feel for you on that one. Okay, South Florida, Memphis, we're just going to finish off yeah. this quartet of losing <laughs> of all of our teams that we cover here. So Memphis wins 59-50. They had a lead uh, into the – what is it? Into the third quarter. Mm -hmm. um, they were up 42-38. Uh, 
And then Memphis runs off three straight uh, touchdowns to go up 59-42. Uh, USF gets a late touchdown that doesn't really matter, make it look closer than it was. It was a lot of yardage. Both teams gave up uh, 580 yards plus. Um, pretty even game, except for the turnovers, which probably were the difference in the game. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't think most people thought USF had a chance in this game, which I didn't really think they did. I was hoping they'd play hard and give it a good effort. And they did, you know, Byram had 357 yards passing with five TDs, which is a huge game and, you know, good on him. And he had a hundred yards on the ground, which is, again, that's 457 yards of total offense. That's, that is ridiculous. Sean Atkins had a really good game. Sean has been competing all year. I hope he gets a shot at the pros because he's, you know, he's very sneaky. He's very like, um, you know, he just gets lost in coverage. You know, people don't respect him as much. And, you know, he's very capable. He's got really good hands. And, uh, you know, I, who knows what his career will go. But as far as the game, um, you know, this Memphis team is a good team. They have a really good offense, and the USF defense has been struggling immensely lately. They're yeah. one of the worst in the country, and you know you knew it was going to be bad. It just—I was hoping it wasn't going to be this bad, but it was—it was pretty dang bad. But I don't know. I mean, at this point, they're four and five. They have two winnable games against Charlotte and Temple in the next couple of weeks. They can get to play uh, to bowl eligibility, and you know it. Going from one win last year, two wins before that, and one win before that, you know, to getting to six wins would be huge. So, you know, again, take it with a grain of salt. Alex Golish seems to be turning things around. And, um, you know, losing to a good team is not the worst thing in the world. They're seven and two. They're a very good conference team, and they're probably going to play for the championship. So, it's not that big of a deal to have lost to him. What are your thoughts, Ian? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still in the mind for me. It's just how I am. I don't believe there is such a thing as a quality loss. I think that's like a participation trophy mentality. Um, yeah. Even Alex Golch just said that when they lost to Bama. He's like, a loss is a loss, which I agree with. Yeah. And, again, we didn't expect anything against them playing Memphis. And even then, at the beginning of this game, it was like, yeah, I mean, it kind of went the way we thought it was going to go. Um. But this is the thing. You want to talk about, you know, USC putting up over 40 points and losing? 50 points. Yeah. And you lose. Or this 50, is where yeah, USF defense is ranked in the 120s. That yeah. is where it'll kill you in games. They yeah. could have easily beaten this Memphis team if they stopped them, like, again, two times, maybe. So that for me, that was the frustrating part because all I thought of, like, dude, they literally have one, they have the worst defense in the American conference, one of the worst defenses in the country, yeah. and it killed them in this game because oh, yeah. they absolutely would have won this game if they just had a competent defense, like just yeah. a few stops here and there. It's look, the turnovers the are one stops. thing, literally yeah. two stops. Yeah, and look, the turnovers that USF gave up is one thing, but I mean, like, if you score 50 points, you should be able to afford that. And I'm just, you know, that was the frustrating part for me. All in all, I mean, yes. The offense played extraordinary. And I was, you know, so happy to see this offense just continue to just strive. And, you know, 
this year. And again, like they've had bad, they've had clunkers, but like for the most part, it's been very, very solid. But man, just defensively, this is clearly the Achilles heel of this USF team. If the defense, well, I mean, just thinking about the losses this year, like, okay, Bama, yeah, that one. But if the defense, I don't know, like, I know they put up like 24 against Western Kentucky, but if they get a couple more stops, probably, you know, they maybe beat Western Kentucky. They definitely beat UAB if they hold UAB under like 30 points. Yeah. FAU was a bad game. And then this one. So, I mean, that's like almost three wins right there. So that's my thing taken from it is that USF now has to find a way to now deal with this anchor that they have of the defense and just try to win games in a shootout now when it comes to the upcoming games, especially against Temple, Charlotte, and then in between all that, you got to go to UTSA. I mean, but the, the, the Charlotte and Temple are not good teams. So, like, those should be those should be games that if the offense comes to play, which it, it has like almost every game this year, there's a good chance that they should win both of those games. And realistically, they don't really have a shot against – UTSA they're just they're not on that level UTSA is just a way better team and they're gonna get they're gonna put up a lot of points and you know I don't know I again six and six is the is the goal at this point get to a bowl game because then there's a chance that they can have a winning record which that would be crazy if they could you know come in to finish off the year with a winning record that would be such a huge like uh, you know, um, uh, something to uh, strive for and something that like could build momentum into next year, which, you know, the, what is it? Tennessee, when, um, uh, Heupel, his first year, they went seven and five, I believe. And so like, you know, if they go seven and six, it's not that far off from seven and five or whatever they ended up finishing. So it's like, there's a chance there that, you know, Alex Golish can can do something that most have not thought possible the last couple of years, and that's end up with a a, a winning record. Um, any more thoughts before we move on? All only thing I will have to say, too, going into next season, as of right now, per 247 recruiting, I looked at this week. Yeah. USF does have the best recruiting class of the conference. Oh, yeah. They've 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 had it almost like since the point that Alex Golish took over. He's like kept them uh ahead of this class so you know that's again that's that's making huge inroads to eventually pay off uh at the end of the next couple of years so um definitely something to look forward to okay um next one i have is ohio state rutgers uh i'm not going to say much about this one just you know Ohio State gets the win. It was a little closer at certain points because, um, uh, what is it, Rutgers got it to 21-16, um, but then Ohio State had two late TDs. Uh, Rutgers looked decent on defense. They were able to make some plays there. Uh, you know, Ohio State got fortunate in the beginning of the game where they had a pick six uh, that – stopped a Rutgers drive that was uh, on the way of being a scoring drive. And so, you know, this Rutgers team was, I think they were six and two coming into the game and like definitely not a, a pushover, even though 
Michigan definitely pushed them over when Michigan played them. But, you know, Greg Schiano even said in the one of the interviews uh, on the sidelines how he, you know, he called them out for the sign stealing yeah. stuff then. So, uh, you know, it was apparent that they were stealing signs and that's how they were able to smoke Rutgers as, as much as they could. And they, how they've been able to smoke most of the teams they've had because they were stealing signs. But um, no, I mean, this Ohio State team still with Marvin Harrison Jr. is uh, a very talented team. Travion Henderson looked really good, um, put up some decent numbers. I um, I don't expect uh, the next couple of games to be a challenge for them because it is uh, Michigan State and Minnesota, but it is setting up this Michigan game at the end of the year. It's in Ann Arbor, so we'll talk about that when it comes time to it. But any any thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, the only thing I'm going to say is that Ohio State, I mean, they have been this, like, slow start and then pick it up in the second half. We've said this since we've started, you know, talking about this college football, uh, since we started Hater Radio. You, That's fine when you're playing Rutgers. You yeah. can't do that in the playoff for the Big Ten Championship. You got to yeah. play the whole four quarters. You can get away yep. with it against these teams. You can't get away with it once, you know, you're playing better teams. 100%. Yeah, and, uh, you know – it uh, the one thing that might be the flaw with this team more so than the last couple of years, I don't know if McCord is up to the level of like a CJ Stroud, you know, like he's good, but I just, I guess I just haven't seen it yet from him and only really time will tell. Obviously this Michigan game will be a huge test, but Again, one of the biggest factors in why Ohio State has been as good as they've been the last two years has been their defense, which I think that will keep them in the game against Michigan. And like you said, in the playoff games and the Big Ten championships. So we'll see. Okay, moving on to uh, Kansas State, Texas. You know, this game looked like it was going to be a blowout. Yep. Texas was up 27 to 7. Uh, Murphy looked good at first, then he threw a bad interception and the game turned and it was 27, 21, um, just craziness. And then Kansas state had a chance to tie it up, uh, or, uh, no, I've got it. Kansas state ties it up. Then they had a missed field goal to tie it up late and, um, Kansas state gets another chance. They go into overtime because they made that field goal. And then uh, Texas makes the kick. And then Kansas State tried for the win instead of kicking the field goal to tie. And they went for it on fourth down. And they don't get it. And Texas survives. You know what? This is – it's crazy because it's like, you know, you would think that with their starting quarterback, stud player like – Quinn Ewers being out would completely derail the season for Texas, but they found ways to win. This Kansas state team is not a joke. You know, they were six and two coming into this game and, you know, looked, looked just as much as a force as any other team they've played. You know, Howard had 327 yards. Um, You know, they were moving the ball, making plays, especially in the second half. And this Texas team just found a way to win. 
And, you know, that loss against Oklahoma hurt, but now Oklahoma has lost those two games. So Texas is kind of taking the mantle as the best team in the, in the big 12 right now. So they have a real shot of at least getting to the championship game in, uh, for the big 12 and then a chance to get in the playoffs. So there's still a lot to play for and Quinn Ewers might be back soon. Um, I know that Texas plays um, TCU and Iowa state and then Texas tech. So all three of those games are very winnable. Um, two of them are on the road, the TCU game and the Iowa state game. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they keep out Quinn Ewers as long as they can. Cause they've, they've been able to win these games, you know, BYU and Kansas state were both really good teams and they beat both of them, but both these next two games are on the road. So who knows? Maybe Quinn Ewers comes back. Um, what are your thoughts, Ian? Yeah, um, freaking lucky, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Because they took their foot off the gas pedal uh, clearly in this game. And I think it was the same thing that, you know, bit them earlier against, you know, Oklahoma. And they've had a lot of, you know, games where they were playing down to their competition. It, yeah. You know, obviously Oklahoma, they lost that one. Then, you know, Houston was a lot closer than it should have been. Um I don't know. It, this and as good as Kansas State is, this was more Texas getting in their own way. Once they were up, you know, twenty-seven to seven, they should have been able to, you know, put put it to bed. But they just let Kansas stay in the game. And again, you keep a team in the game, you're asking for trouble because you can't just, you know, wait for the clock to run out. You still have to play. And again, it goes to the whole playful full four quarters, especially in the fourth quarter where Kansas State put up sixteen points and Texas only put up three. So. Yeah. That, I mean, again, for Texas, you got to do better than that. Um, you, you get by on this one, but when you go to the Big 12 championship, same thing with Ohio State. You got to play the whole game. 100%. Okay. Uh, moving on. Texas A&M, Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss was about to go up 17 uh, nothing, and then um, – uh, they had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. Uh, a and goes up late. Um, then Jackson Dart marches the Rebs down the field, and Judkin scores. They go up 38-35, and then the Aggies came back and had a missed field goal at the end. Very close game. These two teams are very evenly matched. They're both good offenses. A lot of playmakers on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, Judkins had a huge game. Dart had 387 yards. Uh, Max Johnson had 305 yards. Just a – this is a great game. And I love these type of games in the SEC because they're, like, back and forth. You know, you can even see, like, the the win probability between each team. And it was, like, vacillating between both teams. And, like, you know, AM had a really good shot at winning. And then uh, Ole Miss came all the way back and finally takes it out. And it's just – Crazy finish there. I, um, you know, this Ole Miss team now is moving into position because they've already played Alabama. They already played LSU. They only have uh, three games left where two of them are very easy. Uh, University of uh, Louisiana Monroe and Mississippi State. They should win those easy. But the one that's going to be huge, and I'm actually very excited about this one because – 
This is a huge, um, uh, you know, SEC game where it doesn't as matter as much to Georgia, but it matters a hell of a lot to Ole Miss because if Ole Miss loses this game, they're out of potentially the playoffs. So Ole Miss needs to win this game coming up against Georgia. And it's, you know, I'm excited for this one because it's like finally Georgia is playing a really tough opponent that has a really good offense that could really actually beat them. And, you know, that hasn't been almost all year because, I mean, we'll talk about the Missouri game, but like, you know, Missouri isn't as good as Ole Miss. You know, Ole Miss has a way better offense. Lane Kiffin is a way better offensive mind. And um, I don't know. It's exciting for this coming up, but Ole Miss survives. Your thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, I, you know, for Ole Miss, it was another one where, again, they kind of got lucky because I do believe Ole Miss does have the better team, but they kind of, yeah. you know, got got away with it, especially, you know, with AM missing it. AM definitely came up and came to play. I think this, honestly, this might have been their best game of the year. It's just a shame of how it ended. Um, yeah. But all, all in all, I think it was really the offense that kind of saved the day for Ole Miss. I know they put up over 500 yards and all that. Um, so they get the win. Then they can go in against Georgia. But for me, I mean, I'm not the most convincing way to, you know, go in against Georgia, um, barely beating, you know, five and three or I think five and four uh, A&M. Yeah, I mean, I I think this Ole Miss team has a real good shot at Georgia, and we'll we'll talk about that on Wednesday. Okay, moving on. Notre Dame, Clemson. Uh, Clemson surprises in this one, gets off the mat after being punched in the mouth a bunch of times recently, and they get the win, 31-23. They were in pretty much control of this game most of the way through. They were up uh, 24-6 into the second quarter. And, um, you know, Notre Dame got some touchdowns in the third and kind of kept pace a little bit. But, you know, Clemson kept making plays on defense, uh, forcing turnovers, forced Notre Dame into three turnovers. Um, Sam Hartman, you know, just not a really good game. Two interceptions, just kind of, I don't know, they had a shot, an outside shot at the the playoff if they could have kept on winning. And this was one of those games that they needed to show on their resume that would beat a Clemson team on the road, but they couldn't do it. Uh, your thoughts before we move on. It, I mean, just how like both of these teams, Clemson loses these bad games, but beats Notre Dame, Notre Dame, you know, barely loses to Ohio state and, you know, has these good wins, but loses to Clemson. I just don't get it. I, I don't know either of these teams anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And that was okay. the other thing, too. Notre Dame outgained them almost by 100 yards, but because of the three turnovers, that really just, like, sunk them. Yeah. Okay, um, real quick on this one. Utah smokes Arizona State 55-3. You cannot run those fake, like, sneaky plays against a really good defense. It's not going to work, and that's pretty much all Arizona State has had all year is running those sneaky plays. It just is not going to work against a really good defense. So uh, moving on to Ian's specialty, uh, yeah. Army and Air Force. Uh, I'll let you take this one away. Go ahead. Yeah, God, this was a crap weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I joked too. I said if it was going to be anybody, it would be another academy to yeah. do it. And, of course, you know, Army, 
in they beat them at their own game is really what they did and they forced yeah. you know air force to get uncomfortable and that was the thing going into i remember thinking the only way you beat air force if air force is close they're gonna air force is gonna win but if you get enough points of them early arizona is not built or arizona air force is not built to come back so yeah. army in the first quarter goes up like 17 nothing air force can't like that's i mean for them that's a lot that is tough and you saw you know they were only able to muster a field goal and that is all army needed was just you know cushion the lead play you know swarm around layer and you know just you know cut the legs out from under them um i mean again kind of a shame seeing air force you know drop this way but again this is going to happen to anybody at least it was against you know army okay yeah and they had five turnovers which i think up until yeah. that point i don't think larry had a single turnover and then he was responsible for like four of them in the game so okay moving on uh speaking of missouri missouri georgia georgia wins 30 to 21 this game was a lot closer than the final score probably shows um missouri had a lead uh into the third quarter uh Georgia scores two straight touchdowns to put them up by nine. Uh, Missouri answers with another touchdown. Uh, Georgia then answered with a field goal and then like a couple of turnovers and like turnover on downs. Uh, Georgia gets another field goal and then Georgia gets the win. Georgia uh, only outgained them by 22 yards. Uh, they had the time of possession, which is the difference here in this game. Um, I don't know. At times, Brandon Cook and the offense for Missouri didn't look that amazing. They looked like they struggled a lot. Um, Schroeder or Schrader for Missouri had a, a decent day, 112 yards. Um, and Carson Beck in Georgia had a pretty typical day for them. Lad McConkey had 95 yards. Uh, Beck had 254. Um, you know, this is a quality team in this Georgia Bulldog team. And I'm not going to deny that. Yes, I don't like the team and I don't want to see them win, but I will admit when they're good and they're good. I know they're good. I know their defense is good. I know their offense can score points and they played a quality team here in this Missouri team and they beat them, uh, you know, not severely, but they beat them well enough that they were definitely the better team and they were probably the better team the majority of the game. Missouri stayed with them, but I will say this Georgia team is definitely primed for a good run. But again, next week they have Ole Miss. The following week they have Tennessee in Knoxville, a very tough game. Tennessee has been scoring a lot of points lately and doing quite well. And then they have to follow that up with Georgia Tech, who has been upsetting a lot of people lately. So they have a three tough three tough games plus an SEC championship game, which I think they've already secured. I think they secure it with beating Ole Miss because I don't think – I think that, yeah, because they – because the last – because then it would be Tennessee. Yeah. Would be the last one. Yeah, Tennessee is number two right now. So, Tennessee, if if Georgia wins that game, Tennessee could only – no, they they wouldn't be able to tie them because – they would have two matching losses if they lost to Ole Miss. But if they beat Ole Miss, they would only have one SEC loss And um, uh, if they lost to Tennessee. So they would not be able to 
uh, overcome that because Tennessee already has two SEC losses. Okay, um, your thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, for, you want to talk about differences between teams? Again, Florida's defense, like, they just kind of crumbled when it came down to it. They Missouri scores a touchdown, and Georgia can only get a field goal after a pretty good drive. So it's literally touchdown, you know, that puts it away. If, you know, well, it doesn't put it away, but Missouri is in the driver's seat at that point. And they just stepped up and stepped up huge, got that late interception to seal it, and were just able to bail out, you know, the offense and kick another field goal and end it. That is what is so dangerous about this Georgia team is that you can't make any mistakes with them, especially with that defense. It's like you have yeah. to take advantage any chance you get because when it comes down to crunch time, they will step up and rise to the occasion. For sure. Okay. Uh, Florida State Pitt. This was – I – Checked my phone at one point and it was 10 to seven. And I was like, what? And it was like into the third quarter. I was like, what is going on here? And then Florida state proceeded to score two uh, touchdowns, like literally right after I looked at it. So I'm like, I'm never looking at my phone again, but no, uh, Florida state uh, survives this one. Um, There were a couple of chances for Pitt. They had like a long uh, TD reception or a, a, the wide receiver had a long reception where he got to like the one yard line, fumbled it, and then FSU recovered in the end zone. And then they scored on another one. So they technically could have been up like 14 10 at one point, but their offense is not good enough. Um, they're just not a good team, this pit team. You know, they only have two wins. So they're definitely not a good team. And Florida State continues to be lucky in certain aspects. Um, you know, they are a good team, but. I will like to see them against a better team. They are getting a game against Miami next week, which we'll talk about on Wednesday. Uh, but then they have a, a snoozer against North Alabama after that. And then they follow it up with in a game in Gainesville, um, which depends on how how beat up that Florida team is at that point. Will they be able to uh, uh, do anything? But, you know, I still think Florida is going to, be competitive in that game. And I think Miami's going to be competitive in this one, regardless of what happened yesterday, which Miami lost to NC State. But I think, you know, it's a rivalry game with Florida State and Miami. This will be a, a finally a decent test because they really haven't had a decent com- uh, opponent except for that Duke opponent. But Duke, Riley Leonard was hurt the entire game. So, like, how good of an opponent is that? Um, but um, what are your thoughts before we move on? Yeah, for me, it was the score was definitely for me misleading because Florida State dominated this game. Yeah. I know they had over almost over 500 yards of total offense. They forced three turnovers against Pitt, and I, I I don't know why they couldn't get as many as much points as they did. They definitely had enough. It was three possessions. I think that was it. They kind of just were coasting because they knew look two touchdown lead very unlikely with how bad this Pitt offense has been. You're gonna lose it. So. I think that was the only thing, but uh, I mean, Florida State, the better team won, and they honestly should have won by more, but I mean, you still get the win. Uh, real quick, Virginia Tech, Louisville. Louisville wins 34 3. This game, in the probability aspect of it, Louisville was always predicted to win it in the probability. So there was never a chance for Virginia Tech to have a shot. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to say much about this game because I didn't get a chance to watch the highlights, but Plummer was 11 for 12 and only had 141 yards and they still dominated this game. It says 
they didn't have any turnovers. They had 382 yards to Vatex 140. So that's how good Vatex is. They're that bad of a yeah. team. So uh, your thoughts on this before we move on? I mean, Louisville just utterly, you know, ground and pound that game. Um, that's pretty much the most, like, you know, demolishing way to beat a team. Just, you know, beat them on the ground, and they certainly did that. So, you know, kind of a predictable and good win for the Cardinals. Yeah, so it looks likely that Louisville will be the other representative in the ACC championship game where uh, Florida State has already locked in a spot. Um, Louisville has Virginia, Miami, and Kentucky. Kentucky being a non-con, so the Virginia-Miami games will go to uh, into deciding if they get into the ACC championship game, which I think they'll likely beat Virginia. The Miami game will be tough. Um, if Miami loses to Florida State, they'll be a little, you know six and four at that point. So maybe they may not have enough muster to to try to beat this Louisville team, but we'll see. Um, uh, moving on, last Bedlam. No, no yeah. more Bedlam. I mean, Oklahoma, you want to go out? This is Oklahoma the way to go out. State. What? What'd you say? If you're going to go out on a rivalry game, this is the way to you know end a rivalry. Oh yeah, no, it was a great ending, and you know it's um, it uh, someone had to win, and it, you know it was honestly more than likely it was going to be the road team or the home team that was going to win a, a game like this because it was like you know really it, it was back and forth, it was close, but you know Oklahoma just couldn't make plays at the end there. Um, they had that fourth down where they couldn't convert. Uh, Stoops, uh, the wide receiver, didn't didn't run past the sticks for whatever reason. I don't know. He ran short of it, and they and they couldn't couldn't convert there. Um, you know, a lot of offense, nearly 500 yards of offense for both teams. You know, a good game overall. It was obviously exciting. Um, you know, it's a shame that this rivalry is over as of right now. But again, this is a great way for it to go out and. What are your thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I mean, when it came down to it, it was that both of these teams were playing and going blow for blow with each other. And it came down to, like, you know, when to these games, who makes less mistakes? Oklahoma gave up three turnovers, and that's what sunk them. And also, Oklahoma State dominated time of possession. Yeah. Um, so any chance Oklahoma had, they had to force a lot of these plays, in which resulted in the turnovers. This was really Oklahoma State's, you know, they were playing Oklahoma State's game. Um, and when you're playing the other team's game, it's really tough to win that way. And sure enough, um, you know, Oklahoma State won the last bed one. And it, again, lived up to its name. Yeah. And now Oklahoma State is a team that lost to South Alabama to begin the year. Um, and they only have one conference loss. They have a UCF game that they should win. Uh, they have a Houston game that will be tough. It's in Houston. And then the last game of the year, they have BYU. So there is a chance that this Oklahoma State team that was left for dead at the beginning of the year because of that blowout loss to South Alabama now is a real shot at playing for the uh, the Big 12 championship, which is crazy that's even a possibility because I, I haven't even been paying attention to them because of the fact that they, the, they lost that game early. And I was like, oh, this team's going to be terrible this year. And they just – have been running off big game after big game. And, you know, they beat Kansas State. They beat Kansas. 
Um, now they're beating, beating Oklahoma. Just a great run for them. And Gundy, you know, just just remarkable. He's such a great coach. He's, he's probably one of the most underrated coaches in all of college football. Um, okay. Speaking of Kansas, Kansas, Iowa state, this Kansas team still winning, you know, Bean just keeps moving this offense along. Daniels is nowhere to be found because he's still injured and Bean seems to be taking over the role and, uh, they win 28, 21. Um, this Iowa State team's kind of floundering a little bit, but you know this is a huge win for them because they have an outside chance of getting into the Big 12 championship. So continuing to win is a big thing for them. Um, they put up pretty big numbers, uh, 361 yards total offense, uh, no turnovers, um, about even as far as time of possession and first downs. But, uh, you know, they uh, they forced a turnover on Iowa State and, uh, you know, just I mean, good, this this Kansas team, again, the, the job that Leopold has done for this team is should be he should be coach of the year. Like if he can get eight or nine wins, he's got to be coach of the year with this Kansas team. Just remarkable job. And because they've got um, Texas Tech, Kansas State and Cincinnati left. They should beat Texas Tech. They should beat Cincinnati. And Kansas State is a coin flip at this point. So, hey, man, if they can get to nine wins, that is remarkable. But your thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, also, uh, speaking of which, the last time Kansas reached the seven-win mark or got seven wins in a season, that was 2008. That was the year after the, you know, insane year. Yeah, the Um, great year, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I think I was, like, in second grade when that happened. So, <laughs> it has been a long time coming for the Jayhawks. But in this game, just, you know, just gutted out, winning out. Clearly, they were the better team. And they just, again, put enough distance between them and Iowa State to the point where Iowa State just couldn't come back. That 80-yard, you know, touchdown pass, that being through to Arnold, that was the dagger. Um, and that really just ended the game there because, I mean, there was nothing Iowa State could have done there. And, again, Kansas finds a way to win these games out. Nice. Okay, we're saving one of the best for last. Uh, LSU, Alabama, just a great game, back and forth. Uh, LSU was making plays. They had a lead into the third quarter. And then, you know what, man, Milrow, I know I've been critical of his, like, passing, but he is a uh, just a freak of an athlete, how fast he is. And the run game for Alabama is just – you know, it's just so much better than everyone else's. Um, his defense is still strong, considering they probably held, I think they held LSU to their lowest point total of the entire year outside of the Florida State game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, this Alabama team, the defense is good. They can run the ball. Milrow is making plays in the passing game. Even on some of those plays that I saw that he did make, he was just like the touch he had on certain balls. They were like wheel routes, and he just was like getting it over the defensive players' heads and just putting it right in the uh, receivers' hands. I mean, this kid—he's not like lighting the world up with his passing attack, but his run, his running ability—you know—he had 155 yards on the ground. Um, they kept Daniels in check at 219 yards passing, but Daniels had a huge game on the ground. He had Mm -hmm. 163 yards 
and a TD on the ground. So, and Malik Neighbors still had a really good game, 171 yards uh, passing or catching. But, um, you know, this is a game that could easily have gone LSU's way, but Bama finds a way to win. They, they make the plays. They, uh, you know, they, uh, they force the one turnover on Daniels that really kind of iced the game. They still had a ton of yardage that they gave up, but I still think the fact that they made the plays, because this, this offense for LSU is going to score and going to put up yardage against everybody. There's no one that they haven't done it against. They did it against FSU. They didn't capitalize on some of the drives against FSU, but you know what? Alabama, for what they did, they made enough plays. They had the time of possession battle. They, they won that and they're, they're moving on. And now they have a real shot. One, I think they locked up the SEC championship berth. And then two, they um, uh, now have a real shot at the playoff. So crazy that the dynasty was dead. Everyone said the dynasty was over. And now look at it. It's just, it keeps moving on. Nick Saban, you know, he, during the SEC media days, was looked pretty confident. And I think he was well aware that his defense was going to be good enough to win these games. And look at it. They are. They're they're good enough to win these games, and they did. So what are your thoughts, Ian, on this uh, LSU-Alabama uh, game? Yeah, this is a game where I kind of felt bad one of these teams had to lose because they both – I mean, all both offenses played out of their mind. But this, again, is, is a compliment to the astutious, I guess is the right word for it, just how astute Alabama is in the fourth quarter. Zero points LSU scored in the most important quarter of the game when going into yeah. it, they had the lead. It was, or going into it, you know, into the half, they were up 28-21. They were only down by a touchdown going into the fourth quarter. And they Alabama shut Daniels down. They shut the passing game down because they knew that was the most effective thing. They analyzed, you know, the adjustments Alabama made, knew they weren't going to hand the ball off, and it was pretty much put the spy out there and then, you know, push the wide receivers to the outside. And with that, LSU just couldn't do anything. They couldn't get any traction. Not to, you know, discredit Daniels, he did out of, you know, fantastic game for him. I don't, the whole thing was like, oh, his Heisman, you know, thing. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman. But I don't think that's a discredit to how well he has played this year and how good he actually did this game. Yeah, I get only 200 yards passing, but he did everything he possibly could to uh, will LSU to win. Simple thing is, Alabama knows how to win these games. They know when a good sound in the fourth quarter, how to, you know, stop it and, you know, pull the win out. And honestly, Alabama just has more talent right now than LSU. So, you know, all things considered, Alabama has an Alabama-like win. They win the fourth quarter, and they win the game. Okay, lastly, Oregon State, Colorado. Oregon State wins 26-19. I don't have much to say. I just had it on my list. you have any thoughts from this game? Uh, maybe firing your offensive coordinator wasn't the – or demoting your offensive coordinator middle of the season wasn't the best idea. Yeah, because they have that Arizona team we were talking so highly of next week, and then they have Washington State, which is still a tough team, and then on the road at Utah to finish up. I mean, they will be lucky to win one game here, which would their best chance is against Washington State, which I don't even think they're going to win that one because it's on the road in uh, in Pullman. But anything else before we go? Um, no. <laughs> Okay, so this, is a, this was a long show. We had a lot to talk about because obviously a lot of uh, terrible breakdowns of 
depressingness of all these losses. So it was a tough, tough week. Um, but you know what? Football is a very, um, I don't know. It, it, it'll hurt you one week and then next week, you know, maybe Florida wins at, on the road at LSU. You never know. And that's what it makes this game enjoyable is because there are moments of joy. There's moments of despair. And we still love this game no matter what. And you know what? I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to look forward to next week. I'm going to look forward to the Missouri game. And I'm going to look forward to the Florida State game. That's just what we do as football fans. That is the show. My name is Chris McLean. My co-host is Ian Gibson. This is Hater Radio. You can follow us uh, on the website at hater uh, haterradio.com for all of our articles. You can follow us on all of our socials at, at hater underscore radio for Twitter, um, TikTok, threads, Instagram. And then for Facebook, it is Hater Radio CFB. For YouTube, where you're watching this probably, it is at Hater Radio. And then the old way, HaterRadio1 at gmail.com for email. Ian, what are your socials before we go? Yep, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, at G. That's the show, everyone. Take care, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.